Generalized Anxiety Disorder. According to the DSM-5, the diagnostic manual for all of the labelized identifications for mental illness, the DSM-5 is the criteria that I use, that I use every single day to diagnose clients who come in through my doors. Well, not doors anymore, it's all virtual. So come in to my screen and present me with symptoms that I have to now diagnose as their professional and now label them so their insurance company can pay and also some a client can now have a identification for their mental health challenges. The DSM-5, I'm not too sure exactly who has written this. I'm not too sure who sat down and the identities and colors of these folks who have written this diagnostic criteria. But I will let you know that the unorthodox therapist does not at once utilize the DSM-5 to identify who his clients are. The DSM-5 to me is a nice way for insurance companies to say, okay. But when you bring in generalized anxiety disorder and I have a client who presents with symptoms of generalized anxiety disorder according to the DSM-5 not at once do I agree that their symptoms actually match the numbers and letters written that I have to decide and choose and help understand what actually matters to pick at the actions and reactions of my clients Generalized anxiety disorder, anxiety. This has become a hot topic and has always been a very hot topic of mental health. And in this episode, I'm really hoping to break it down in a little bit more of an unorthodox way. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Dante, the unorthodox therapist, coming to you straight from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I am here to introduce today's topic, anxiety. And I'm not gonna talk about the diagnosis of anxiety or generalized anxiety disorder. Instead, I'm gonna break down how your identity intersects with these mental health diagnoses, in particular, generalized anxiety disorder. I have utilize this number and this letter of labeling to have many of insurance company pay the bill of mental health but man would they be really upset that most of their numbers and letters to me are bullshit and I'm not, now look I'm not gonna say that it's not valid all right it's valid but I need the DSM-5 to break down the basics you remember back in school when you learned about the average and, and the median and the, and the mode, you know, or the mean, not the average. I like to say the DSM-5 is the mean of mental health, right? It was, they had to create something just for the average. And if you think about the average, when you think about people, it's, you might just start thinking about, you know, a white guy. Just your average white guy, your average build, your average life, 
these symptoms are very just I'll say average they fit the brim of what is presented in the now but not at once do they intersect with every identity that walks through the office or now on the zoom not at once do I ever think or have to acknowledge those letters and numbers to understand the anxiety that the client is bringing for example if I have a a black client maybe identifies as BIPOC as we are in now I'm learning the the lingo making sure my blackness is not being tested at the moment so I have a BIPOC identify client walk through my office and say that uh, they're feeling anxious I ask this person to describe their anxiety and they say every day they wake up they feel a little shaky to go to work Every time they walk through office doors, they gotta act a certain way. They can't be their true selves. Every time they speak up for a problem in the office related to their color of their skin, they become a target. They're not validated. They get anxious to advocate for themselves. So, after a couple months or years, they start to do some research on what this feeling is like and they learn that it could be anxiety. They start to say, oh, well, my doctor told me to go to a therapist about that. And then they walk me through my doors and they say, I need a diagnosis. I need to help understand what this is. Am I, do I have anxiety disorder? So I give people, I, I do, I give people this assessment. The Beck anxiety inventory. And they, and they fill out the inventory. They get scored with another number, and that number now helps me moderate and identify whether their anxiety is there. And if it is, is it mild? Is it moderate? Is it severe? I type in the number, I send in the, the note, the insurance company gets the number, and they now pay to help this person treat their generalized anxiety disorder because they are anxious to go to work because they can't be their true black or BIPOC selves. I don't know about you, but does that fit the average? Now, I have had the average anxiety walk through my door. Generalized anxiety that has presented itself, I think, in a way that that the numbers and letters of the DSM-5 fit. And I like to think that many of the clients I've seen that fit that are your average white identified clients. How come when a client of color walks through the door and they feel anxious for being of color, how can I now differentiate the difference between how their identity is intersecting in their anxiety and just the average symptoms of generalized anxiety disorder? Is it the same or is it different? It is different. You can call it unorthodox thinking or you can actually call it being aware that identity intersects with anxiety. So generalized anxiety disorder. If I were to write the DSM-5, actually, you know what? Let's see what would happen if I were to write generalized anxiety disorder for the DSM-5. Hey, what's up? You have anxiety? 
Oh yeah. You know what? Me too. Now, I don't want you to think about your anxiety the, the white way. I want you to think about your anxiety the right way. And the right way is to understand how your culture, your identity, all intersect with your anxiety. Are you nervous? Do you feel shaky? A little sleepless at night before you go to work? Is it a little bit uncontrollable knowing every single day you have to be around white people? That you cannot control the spaces that you're in and that you have to deal with the mistreatment of microaggressions on a daily basis? And if you speak up for yourself, you might lose your job. So, you just deal with it. And you go home, you go to sleep, you wake up, and guess what? You do it all over again. How's your anxiety now? I know you have it. Instead of calling it anxiety, I'll call it this. Being present in white spaces. Every single day, without any control over how white people will treat you and how their denial, subtle racism, microaggressions, lack of awareness of your own culture and identity intersect with your mental well-being when you think about entering a white space every single day. Welcome to the BSM-5. Oh man, the BSM-5 would be a dope book. I might have to write one of them. Uh, doing that almost reminds me of how uh, I think the SAT and, you know, all those tests should be rewritten. There should be a, a black version, an Asian version, should be Indian version, Latin version. I mean, every yeah, everybody should have their own version of these standardized tests. And I think everybody should have their own version of these standardized diagnosis criteria manuals. But we don't get them. Instead, all I can do is bring identity and culture into my therapeutic practice. And I bring it to the unorthodox therapist. That is me. And by unorthodox, I always like to let people know that I really break all the rules of what was given to me in grad school and within that manual. Because not at once was I taught how to be a black therapist and how to include being black and how to understand black people and how to understand how the intersection of identity of what black is and how it matters. And now I get a chance to do it with all identities. I get a chance to learn now about so many more people and so many more cultures and how I can help them understand the intersection of their of themselves within mental health it's beautiful the final thing i'll address today with anxiety is really maybe bringing you some tools on how to start understanding anxiety really what it is and how to i don't know walk around a little bit differently going to therapy really does help now, I am not your therapist. I do hope at one point you do ever read, if you feel the need to, to reach out to one and utilize this platform to educate yourself a little bit more about what you might be going through. But anxiety is real. And then it does intersect with anxiety, but, I mean with identity, but everybody really does go through it, no matter who you are. And 
what I really want to do is just define anxiety real fast. Anxiety is the concern or worry about anything that's going to happen in the future. It's when you want to play psychic and fortune teller about your future and you just, you can't, but you try your best to. And that's your anxiety speaking. Sometimes it's telling you that you're going to fail. Sometimes it's really good and it tells you to get out of the way of that bus that's coming full speed down the street. So we need it to survive, but it also becomes the barrier to our success and being our true selves. You start to overthink what you should do and how you should speak and how you should carry yourself. Some examples of anxiety are, without a doubt, being a person of color in a white space. That's a really great example of it because when you have to actively act a different way because the way you want to act could come off and as a consequence of mistreatment or being not, not included is really tough. So instead, we have to kind of activate our anxiety and live in it and just constantly be on guard. Now, other than that, it also, you know, you can simply break it down to feeling anxious about a, a test you're going to take, about a job interview, performing on stage, meeting a new person, first date, you name it. Anything that isn't happening that you know will happen brings you some anxiety. It brings you thoughts about the future that you don't have control over and you kind of wish you knew what was going to happen. But sometimes your mind plays that trick on you and it says the worst will happen. Now, to anybody who doesn't believe in anxiety, well, fuck you. <laughs> so I should maybe bleep that out. If I don't bleep it out, welcome to me not editing that that moment because I really do have a really hard challenge with people who don't believe in mental health. You know, because if I broke my back and I couldn't walk and they said, get up and walk, your back's not really broken, I'd be a little upset. So, you know, your anxiety is valid. And something I want you to know to, to do is to accept it and learn to live with it because you need it. Does it control many things? Ah, it does, but you have to understand that that control really is you. And you do lose it at moments because you have had so many experiences that tell you the worst thing's going to happen. So your body says, uh-uh. I think if you were to get out of your mind and go into your body, you'd realize that you're always like panicking inside and sweating and shaking and tense, whatever it may be. When you're anxious, you don't feel good inside of your body. And you have to get out of your mind to understand your anxiety and where it's at in your body. It's like stage fright. You ever want to go up and public speak? You know, that's that's one of the biggest fears in the world, public speaking. What I call is that is, yeah, the biggest moment of anxiety. Oh. What's going to happen? Am I going to get booed? Am I going to sweat? Am I going to stutter? My mouth gets dry. You start shaking. Yeah, that's your body reacting to something that's not even happening. You're not even talking yet, and you're already nervous. So understanding that really might help you understand that eventually that body pa- that body sensation passes. You like Eventually, you're not going to be nervous. That feeling isn't going to be there. And what you have to do is engage in what makes you feel a little scared. You got to open your mouth and start speaking. You have to let go of those beliefs that you're not good enough and you're going to fail. You know, I get it. Trauma's real. You know, I'm going to get into a trauma episode that really helps me, will help you understand anxiety more. But for right now, just know it's real. And to learn how to get rid of it, it that's impossible. You can't. 
the unorthodox therapist will tell you, you have to learn to live with it. You get to learn to live with it every single day. And if you get rid of it, you're going to get hit by a bus when it comes at you full speed. Because for some reason, you might not think you're going to die. <laughs> That's your anxiety telling you, like, nah, man, fight or flight. You ain't fighting that bus, so you better run. <laughs> and the other part of anxiety is freeze. And that will be another episode with trauma. Because sometimes you do get stuck. You get frozen, and the anxiety attacks you, and it creates trauma. You get stuck, and you do get hit by the bus. But you survive, and now you're living with a broken femur and a broken back, and you're traumatized across the street. Yeah, real talk. So how can you now learn to manage or live with your anxiety or learn how to you know, deal with it better? Well, number one, go speak to a professional about it because your anxiety is very different. It might be intersecting with your identity. Hey, like white women out there, uh, you aren't the average either. Although y'all run this field, you are not the average. Is your anxiety coming from being surrounded by a whole bunch of white men? Because you're also in a space where you're marginalized. I see white women in therapy. I see a lot of them. And sometimes tapping into that gets rid of that diagnosis. Sometimes you got to understand where your anxiety comes from. Maybe have somebody that you feel safe around to talk about it. What else can you do? When you accept it and say that I can't get rid of it, that's a great start. Just saying that. What's the third thing that you can do? Go into your body. And when I mean go into your body, I mean that every time you feel anxious or nervous, I want you to identify where you feel it in your body and then time how long it takes for it to go away and then ask yourself, what are you really anxious about? Why are you afraid that you're gonna fail? And why do you keep getting in your own way? But I don't want you to answer those questions because those are the answers. Your anxiety is there. You need to learn how to manage it. You need to become the boss of your own feelings. When I hear people say their anxiety takes control, I say that's very true. But now I'm gonna say, do you wanna learn how to now take that back and understand the things that are driving your anxiety? Go into your body, stop talking about it. Stop trying to describe it. And let it go. And when I mean understand it, really accept the fact that you're uh, possibly a person of color walking around white spaces and you th thought before that that wasn't a challenge or an actual problem, but in reality it actually is because now you're safe to talk about it and accepting that might be hard because you might start to think you're weak or you're not uh, a strong enough person of color or you should be able to just deal with these things and in reality, no. You shouldn't have to deal with pain, microaggressions, and trauma every day. As a white woman, you shouldn't have to deal with white men not treating you as equals. And as people with anxiety, you shouldn't have to be invalidated for one of the most beautiful feelings and reactions your body has to help you be safe, to help protect you. But that also turns into a wall over periods of years of experiencing things that just didn't work out. You start to tell yourself that, well, that's not going to work out again either because what happened in the past. That repeat's real. Learning how to get out of it is also real. But I hope, and I pray, 
that you just find some space to also understand how your identity might be intersecting with it as well. That if I were to add at least a letter to the DSM-5, it would be, how does your identity and culture intersect with the spaces that you surround on a daily basis? I think that should be included. Hey, yo, DSM-6 or 7. <laughs> Howl at me for the remix. Let's go, man. Let's go. Let's go. Um, there's really something that I hope we all can uh, live and breathe about moving forward from all of this. Episodes 1 through 10. Man, that was some great, great practice for me introducing myself to the podcast world. Episode 11. We're here. I'm hoping to really continue to get down to some basics of therapy, but also continuing to light the flame of what my blackness has done to my dream and journey of mental health. I want to keep breaking this stigma. I want to keep bringing therapy to the world and especially to people of color, to black people, to black men, and to start liberating my people in a way that I think makes a lot of sense. And it's for all of us to start taking care of our mental health. For all of us to start acknowledging our anxiety. And all of us to maybe just Tune into episode 11 if you ever want to just know more about anxiety or hear the same thing again. Just to remind yourself that you can't Google and read a book about everything. You really got to break yourself down, find some space, safe space to understand who you are, and really, really walk through the world and understand how all of that matters. Whether you're black, brown, woman, Asian, it all matters. I love you all. Thank you all for tuning in to episode 11. Continue sharing. Continue spreading my love. You can reach me at theunorthodoxtherapist at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at theunorthodoxtherapist. And also, tune in every Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. Not every Wednesday. I'm doing it bi-weekly now. There's an event bright on my page where I've created a safe space for black men, black women, people of color, BIPOC, women, trans, you name it, every identity, every intersection. I created a virtual space for us to talk about social justice, advocacy, protests, and mental health and sustainability. The Eventbrite is up, it's free. I'd love for you all to maybe tune in once in a while to listen and hear to some some of the most beautiful black voices and people of color I've ever met in my entire life. This is my grief project from George Floyd. George Floyd's passing has become my ignition to continue my dream. To not just be a black man, to not just be a black therapist, but to liberate and bring together all people of color within the intersection of this white world that we live in. Thank you all for tuning in. Episode 12, dropping as soon as I can. Holla.